Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. And welcome to the... Um, Human music, uh, right? The uh, podcast, music, the what? Pod, pod, podcast, podcast, right? No, that's music. Human. No, you were right. It's the human music podcast. <laughs> right. Woo. Woo. <laughs> so, boys, how about that music? Am I right? Man, uh, I've barely been listening to any lately. <laughs> You know what? Now that you mention it, I feel like me too. You guys ever feel like um, you go through those periods where like you don't know what you want to listen to and it's like you don't want anything new per se, but you're so tired of everything else that you've heard? Yeah. I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's like a dopamine depletion thing. Mm. And you're like, eh also tied into the fact that like a lot of the shit that we get fed music wise nowadays is just like a recreation of other shit that we've heard before and it takes a lot nowadays to hear something that you're like oh what oh what the fuck is this like i'm totally about this uh there's usually it's like oh what what is what the fuck is it and then you like it two weeks later i mean in the case of like hundred gex that is like the the absolute like thesis statement for something that is different that grabs your attention but i'm talking like even just like you know someone did like a metal beat with like a good hip-hop lyric on it or something that just anything that makes you go oh whoa oh cool you know like it might not even be that different but just something that grabs your attention most everything that filters through my spotify when it's just like playing related artists is like yeah garbage garbage Garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, not garbage, but like meh. But, but like, okay, you're doing this thing, or you're doing this thing, or you're doing this thing. It just doesn't seem that inspired. Exactly. It's like, oh, another one of those. Yeah, exactly. You're doing that thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Me and Sean sometimes will like show each other music, squashed out Sean, and it's like we both know exactly what we we mean when it's like, oh yeah, like it's a good one of those. You know, it's like you nailed like that formula genre, like, yay, good for you. But it's like it's like future bass or it's rhythm or it's very clearly this one thing. Um, Yeah, it's interesting, though, like being a producer, like I want to hear people do, oh, man, you took that. And I had never thought about doing it that way. And when I hear somebody do something that, oh, yeah, I would have done that. I could have done that. I've heard it done a lot before. It's less interesting. But then a lot of times you get to the fan side of it or the blogger side of it or the promoter side of it. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, that doesn't really fit in with what we're doing over here. This channel is all about liquid DNB. And if it's not liquid DNB, then it just doesn't go on this channel. Like it's a cool song, but I just, it just doesn't fit in with my mix. Because mm-hmm. people came here for liquid DNB or whatever it is on that, you know, Trap Nation, whatever it is on that site or whatever this person like really is about like oh man i love hip-hop that's not hip-hop it's got weird sense i do stuff where people are talking over rap beats 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's an important distinction there, though, because you're either identifying with the genre and trying to push that genre a little bit, like, you know, like jump up drum and bass. Like there's some guys that still make like very like clearly jump up drum and bass that are still doing it like in a really unique, cool way. And the person that's curating their jump up drum and bass blog is still going to be like, this shit's hot, you know? Um, whereas like, you know, it's like as the producer, like you could make a remix of like a pop song that just came out in some other genre, knowing for a fact, there's a built-in audience for that. Um, we as producers go, you're doing that purely for reach, not because you love it. And like, there's still going to be a huge built-in audience for it. You know, we can complain about it all we want and point fingers, but there's still going to be a huge built-in audience for that. You know, it's, it kind of circles back to the previous point where it's like Tesco or I or you is going to listen to something and be like, oh, they're doing that thing. Oh, they're doing that thing. Oh, they're doing that thing. It doesn't mean no one's going to like it. it. You know, probably a lot of people are going to like it because it's doing that thing that they now associate with. Like the rhythm kid is going to love every rhythm tune that comes out and it doesn't matter. But as producers, we just have like a little bit more of like a, like a discerning taste for that thing, you know? I think with like discerning taste and understanding, that's the healthy side of the coin. And then the flip side of the coin is the haterism. Like just, you know, but the, all the DJs standing around in the corner with their arms folded while everybody else is dancing and having a good time. Like, nah, it's not cool that you just put Nirvana over a house beat. Well, the other 95% of the people in the room think it's really cool that Nirvana is happening over a house beat for the first time in their life. Yeah. Even if the concept of insert literally anything onto a house beat and it works in this party, popular song plus the drums for this room, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a reason that works. It's because people came to this room to dance in this speed. Yep. And they also love that song that's in a completely different genre. Yeah. I think it's uh, into like, like a, um, a cocky pseudo intellectual thing. Like, oh, I'm above this music. And if everybody here is having a good time to this piece of garbage, then I'm above these peasants. Like that, that is how it comes across when you're in that it mindset. Really does. When, you <laughs> when you think you're above that transition or you're above dancing to the song. And there's, or like, so <laughs> there is such a fine line there. There is such a shade of gray. Self-awareness is the fine line. About your demeanor and your ego and your self-awareness with it. Because on any given day, I could present my opinion as exactly what you just said. Because I, ha like, I have a thought that is close to that. Like, like oh man, this is some unimaginative garbage. And like, I could be all hoity-toity about it. Or I'm just like, oh wow, this this works for these people. And, you know, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's a good data point that like this thing still works for this group of people. And like, that's cool that he's making that work. I wouldn't do it myself personally, but I'm not going to ruin everyone else's good time by trying to make them hate it. Hmm. Really because I hate it, you know, like, well, and don't get me wrong. You're also totally allowed to fucking hate it. You're totally allowed to be like, this is dog shit. Yeah. Like you can also still hold that opinion, but I think it's different when you're like, 
when you're in the like little DJ Facebook group and you're like, he's that motherfucker you sink. I was fuming all night. You know, like that is the difference when, uh, cause you're not going to like cry all night and like rant to your DJ friends who also are like elite and fucking know better yet collectively no one has like a thousand SoundCloud followers and everybody's getting pissed thinking okay here's what I'm gonna wrap it up as if you're better than it then the results would show yeah hey and that is the moral of the story children (laughs) (laughs) yeah if if you're really better than this thing please by all means go make better music and find that massive audience that is out there for better music than that. Mm-hmm. But like the same thing Evan just said, don't go around shitting on everybody else's good time, trying to make them not having a, have a good time where they're already having a good time. Totally. If it was as simple for their happiness, pop song plus these drums. Cool. They just put two things they love together Unfortunately, it's two things the producer hater hates, but that's okay. It works. So what, what two things would have made you and this room of people happy? Go find that. There's definitely conversations I would have in the rave with my discerning DJ friends that I have learned are not conversations to have with my girlfriend or <laughs> <laughs> with people that are like uninformed. Like you can't be like, yo, yo, yo did you hear that? Like, he clearly left the bass on in both songs and it got limited super hard. And all of a sudden, like then he cut one out and then it was just so noticeable. Like that kick drum was all flubby and then it wasn't. And then like, I clearly forgot to fucking do that. Like there's a certain subset of my friends that would be like, yeah, what an idiot. And there'd be like a, a lot that would be like, what fuck? I think I'm going to the bar. What do you want? Oh. <laughs> yep. That's a like, uh, you clearly need another drink so you stop noticing shit like that, bro. Wear off. Yeah. <laughs> you should be happier than this. Drink wear off. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Man, um, one thing I wonder about is like the the elitist sort of mentality if why those people get so bitter and pissed off is because of cognitive dissonance and is because of that belief of like, I could fucking do better. This is shit, blah, blah, blah. And then like reality doesn't actually reflect that. So they, they fume in these situations. And I, I like, I've been thinking about it from that perspective because as I get older, I come to realize how fucking little in most circumstances, I tried my best holds. Like at the end of the day, it's the results that fucking matter. And the world does not give a shit about your feelings or your ideas or what you think you could do better. The world only gives a fuck about successful execution. And I think that's where maybe the cognitive dissonance is because they have these ideas that they know they could execute better and blah, blah, blah. But like, really, I think we've all been alive to realize that ideas don't mean shit. And that's one of the first things I try and get out of ninjas heads. Not first thing. I don't try and like kill their creativity, but like just get, get them to realize that like 
idea is like generating ideas is one skill, but then over time fitting that to actually match what you can produce in reality or actually match that to your skill set is something you need to develop over time to know what you're capable of, what's actually possible in the physical world. Because yeah. up here, everything's crazy. Everything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. What can you actually pull off? That's, that's what it really comes down to. Right. And on the other side, it's like if you can pull off a shitty transition with clashing bass, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Did, did the next song go off? Uh, who gives a fuck what just happened 20 seconds ago? Right. But you just you just brought up like a super important point and something that I've been trying to take to heart recently, kind of touching back on what we we're what I brought up previously about like like you you reach a certain set of skill that you become kind of precious about like what you show to the world because you're like, I think that like this like like just like what you were talking about, like you become discerning enough that you're like, oh, I could do that. Like I could, you know, I could present this thing in a cooler way. But like real, real people that are doing it know that getting to that point where they're doing it really well only happens through failure and learning and growing. And like the amateur really wants to hold on to everything as so precious because they don't want to lose the ego points presenting something that isn't perfect and like like one thing that I've really been trying to focus on for myself is like no dude like that's okay like I'm gonna release something that like the snare is half a db too loud or like <coughs> that post on social media last week like yeah it was a little boring but like I'm not like if I keep being so concerned with everything being perfect like I'm never gonna get to that next level like I have to start doing all this shit. Like, yep, I fucked that up. Great, mm-hmm. great, good I'm, data point. Glad that I got that out of the way when no one was watching. Totally, that, man. Kill the noise had a tweet um, that he posted a while back that really stuck with me. Where he said, "People don't listen to music for perfection; they listen to it for story." Yeah, that's what they care about is the evolution of where you can't like this song that you're going to put out is going to hold more weight every single year. As long as you keep consisting, because now it's not the release coming out Friday, which is exciting. But like the level of excitement above that is when you have that super fan five years down the road and they're like, I want to know a riff Kenny released in 2020 during the quarantine. What was he up to? You know? And they see that song and maybe, maybe it's their favorite song. Maybe they fucking hate it. Who knows? Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe it's meh. But it becomes an invaluable part of this like longer timeline. And I think a lot of producers that I've worked with don't really think about it on that scale. And it totally shifts the way you operate. Yeah. I mean, it's taken a step back for me for sure to be like, you know, because like I said, it's like one of those things like you just want to protect the the like the sense of perfection you think you could achieve and like that shit that shit doesn't fucking happen unless you just like start taking steps and failing like your perfect sense of what you could be in your head will literally never exist unless you put out 
some shit that maybe is like 95% or 85% or like not even just releasing music, like putting yourself out there, like doing this podcast. One of my first thoughts was like, you know, is everything that I say going to be relevant to people and are they going to care? Is this going to flop and I'm going to look stupid? Like Mm -hmm. that is like the fucking antithesis of what you should be doing. And like, it's really natural for every single person who takes pride in their work to have that thought. But like, it's just not productive. It will not get you there. It will not. Especially when it ties in with your ego. Yeah. Yeah, man. I actually wrote uh, for the Say My Name Cypher this drop-in. Um, and uh, we're doing, I, I got interviewed as the curator of it. And like half of my interview ended up being about the ego, which is funny because it was like the Say My Name Cypher. And then my track ended up getting cut by Dylan at the end. And looking back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see all these fatal flaws in the track. And I was just trying to polish that turd as hard as I could. Uh, Dylan even used the phrase beating a dead horse at one time. But I got to go into it on the interview. Like, the cool thing is I can already find the gratitude for this. Like, I and the gratitude is the way through the quote unquote, this sucks moment to the lesson that actually helps you move forward and take that next step up the mountain. It's like knowing that, like, you know, we talk about resistance, the war of art, you know, there's this, this resistance. And I think that resistance actually is our ego resisting our elevation because Mm -hmm. it knows that as soon as we elevate that version of the ego necessarily will and must die and we have a new one. And that's the funny thing. Is the, the ego is that fragile. It will die at the drop of a hat. But the cool thing is, it's also the phoenix. It will always come right back, no matter how much acid you take. It's going to come back. No matter how ego dissolved you get today, you're going to look up and be like, wow, my ego really dissolved today. Oh, yeah, that's the new one. <laughs> it's back. But... <laughs> The cool thing is after every ego death, the ego comes back with like one piece of bullshit that the world heaped on us burnt off. Yeah. And it's like a little bit more pure and a little closer to like a rational tool that we can use to, you know, take on the world and be like, yeah, you know what? I am good enough to make the attempt and no, I'm never going to be perfect enough to be perfect. So right here, right now is where I'm going to make every attempt and not think that far in the future. But like, remember, like, Yes, the ego is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's a thing that you don't get to get rid of while you're still alive. And it definitely needs to get burned to the ground on a regular basis for any real progress to happen. Yeah, totally. You need to cultivate a really healthy relationship with it. One, to be arrogant slash confident enough to like stand up for your music and be like, this is the fucking shit. I believe in it. And obviously get to that skill level. But it takes that level to be like Kanye West in a sense and just be like, I'm fucking genius. This shit's amazing, you know? And like um, also though, to have the humility to come back the next day. And if your opinion's not the same, to be like, fuck, maybe it was like the bit of joint I smoked earlier. Maybe it was, you know, the nice thing my girl said to me that got me in a great mood. Maybe it was you know, the circumstance that I was listening to this. And then you have to really reassess, like you have to have that humility aspect of being savage to your own work and like 
tearing it down when need be, but also gaining the confidence from that to be like, all right, I know what went into this. I know at least I have some creative into intuition enough that it deserves people's attention and the world needs to hear it. So it's like balancing those two sides because one can really quickly lead to distasteful arrogance or on the other side, it can lead to fucking hating everything you've done or having self-confidence issues. So yeah, it's really important. Yeah, falling off either side of this bridge sounds like a bad move. Let's let's hang out on the bridge in the middle <laughs> with a good balance of healthy, strong self-confidence and also realistic uh, reassessment of our goals for with the intention of growing. It is such a narrow bridge. It is so Did I say bridge? I meant tightrope. It is so hard to nail that. It's something <laughs> Like we all work towards all the time because it is so hard to balance those. Just like you said, like breaking down your own work to the point where you know that you can make it great. But then once you've broken it down enough, then also having the confidence to be like, I know this is great and I should stand behind it. And when I release this and play it for my friends, I shouldn't sit there with my head down like, fuck, I actually hate this. Like, no, you should be happy with it. But like, Oh, it's so hard to get all of that nailed. Like, it's so hard. Dude. You know, it's one of the hardest parts I feel about being a producer is showing your music to somebody and shutting the fuck up. So many times I need to catch myself and just be like, yeah, I'm, but it's a demo and it's scratch vocals and it's blah, and it's blah, 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 blah. And don't care about this. I'm like, I need to just shut the fuck up and just press play before uttering a single word and then let them talk. And then I talk. Yeah. Yes. It's so Dude. hard. Yeah. So many, so many occasions in my life, I've been on both sides of that, either the over explainer or the over explainee. And it's like, yo man, like you said you were going to show me a song, not a list of disclaimers about the song. Right. I, I was here for the song. Let's talk about it after I hear it. <laughs> Right. But you're going to see at this one point at minute two with and 38 seconds, there's going to be this one thing like, nah, dude, like, don't, don't tell me all the details about the song. Spoiler alert. Just let me hear the bad song. Real. <laughs> and it just ends up sounding like, let me play this for you. So you have context to this whole rant I just gave you instead of, Hey, I want to actually check out this artistic, you know, representation of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing my girl showed into me. Like, early is that like when i play something for her don't preface it with a bunch of shit that she's gonna focus on when she hears it she's not listening for that anyways like mix isn't done the vocals don't sound that good and she's like great now i'm gonna think about the fact that it's not done and the vocal isn't good i was gonna listen to the song before but now i can't now listening to the bad vocal yeah (laughs) that's the thing i realized too is not only was it unfair to myself and the representation of the song? It also fucking kills the person's experience. Like mm-hmm. you're totally robbing them of an experience that could have been pure and genuine by you being like, and the kick's not right. And, and let me, let me like, let me taint your, what was a fresh perspective with like all of my views. And let me mix all of that in there before I actually like, it's um, it's like that one experiment they did 
um, where they would like tell the people like there's two basketball teams, like count how many times the blue team passed the ball. And then like halfway through, like a gorilla walks in and starts like beating his chest, like a dude in a gorilla suit. And then they ask the participants after, did you see the gorilla? And half of them are so focused on that. They don't see the gorilla walk in and start beating his chest for like half the duration. So I think about that a lot. Like you're essentially like telling the person focus on the ball instead of seeing the full picture when they're listening to your song in that sense, you know? Totally dude. Yeah, man. Go for it, Evan. Especially since most of the time, the thing that you're super worried about is not critical to, is this the nerdiest thing? Is this a great song? Is the songwriting good? Like, did you miss the point on like three different, like, like the arrangement doesn't make sense. Like the, the drop idea is just not developed and like the energy like flow through the track is just wrong. And you're like, I don't think the snare is quite right. Like maybe, maybe you would have got some more helpful feedback than, yeah, I think you're right about that snare. It's not right. Like if the person would have listened to the song, they've been like, Oh, you know, I actually think you should go to the next song. This is not a good song. Yeah. Or conversely, they might actually love all of the ideas and the order you put them in and the sounds you used and not hear the snare as its own element by itself once through the whole song, not even notice. Like, oh, the snare's a little too tucked. You know what? I was too busy headbanging to how awesome the song as an idea was to even notice that there was anything wrong with it. And that could have given you the confidence to just be like, you know what? Okay, I'll fix the snare and then just put the shit out. It's great. My friend just went nuts for this and was like, who have you shown this to? Where can I buy it? Right. And that's like, like you said, you rob both of you guys of that experience with overly prefacing the thing. Uh, But I think we bring up another good point. Like, who are you showing unfinished work to Mm -hmm. and why? And what kind of expectation do you have on their feedback you know there's good different kinds of people to have one category is the cheerleader your mom your best friend your girlfriend they'll keep it 100 maybe if it's like you know what this isn't the best but most of the time there's like yo so dope you're doing it and everybody needs that at some point like just that person that's happy that you're being creative and working your butt off and still not quitting even though it's not perfect yet like we all need that But then we also need like, that's why I love the feedback section at the dojo so much because it's like, hey, this is a person that is always overanalyzing their own mixes and now can do it for me and like really tell me where it's working as an objective third party and where it's not working as an extremely educated third party. Mm -hmm. Because that's key. Like, who are you going to get this feedback from and why? And if it's not finished, like, why am I showing my girlfriend this track? She only ever listens to finished songs. Totally. Like if I finish it, I'm like, okay, I think it's done. Now let me see if it's good or not, just based on whether or not this one human likes dancing to it. No? Okay, moving on. Yes? Okay, cool, moving on. But I would much rather show Tesco my track and be like, bro, what can I do better about this? Yo, Rip Kenny, hey, is the drop just working, period? (laughs) 
Yeah. What what parts of it do you love or hate? Like, tear it apart for me because I know I can get some dope technical feedback about which layers are working, which layers are crashing, clashing, one of the two. Yeah, you got to keep in mind too that also like if you want to do this professionally, like you need to have a catalog of professional music that you can play and there's not going to be that nagging voice in your head like, man, you fucked up the mix here. What Like this is the catalog that like when people ask you, hey, what are you about? What do you sound like? This is the shit you can play and be thousand percent proud of. And I would even say until it gets to that stage, don't show people that aren't producers. Maybe, maybe it's just my self-consciousness and whatever in these situations. But I feel like when you're showing people unfinished work, people that don't get it um, or something that's subpar, like in the beginning, I think if you don't have a good sense of what's quality and you're playing shit for people that you're only stoked about because you made it and not because it's actually good. It comes across like, Oh, uh, cute. Like it really, really like not that, not that you should necessarily care about people's perceptions overly, but like, if you're really trying to make this happen, like hold off on that instant gratification of showing it to people who are gonna like, just gas you up, but are low key going to be like, Eh, I don't know, like, you know, they're not going to fully believe in you. That's just the truth of the matter, you know? Even if they can't point out exactly what's wrong with your mix, they're going to be like, this just isn't, like, hitting right. It just doesn't sound good. So, yeah. And to people that don't know the difference between a work in progress and have only heard finished, mixed, mastered, polished music their whole life, they don't, they don't know like, oh, this is a really good lead line. It's got great vertical composition, but the mix balance is off and I know how to help him fix that. They're just going to hear, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's there. I've heard good music and this is not in that category. And that's all I can give you. It's <laughs> also one of the reasons that like it, how many friends or acquaintances do you know that wanted to be a producer or dabbled with it and never got to the point where they made something that's like the quality that Tesco was just talking about. Mm-hmm. So many. Because it's really fucking hard to have enough of an ego death to go through the fucking enormous amount of hard work that it takes to really get to something that's that quality without without all the intermediary steps of like having people point out what's wrong with it for five years straight man like how how strong will do you have to be to be okay with that and like work through it and i mean like there's all different types there's the person that actually is such a boss that they sit in their bedroom for five years and work on music and show no one and then finally come out with it and they're like, I have arrived. This is tight. Right. That person is so fucking rare. Like, 
like most people are going to go through that struggle that you were just talking about where like you show your friends and your friends are like, ah, dude, sick. Like you made this. Oh, cool. You make music. You're great. And then they turn around to their other buddy and they're like, man, that was terrible. Like, why did we have to sit through that? <laughs> what happened to like everyone that's like trying to get good at something and like the Dunner, Dunning-Kruger effect, like that we talked about last episode, like that really contributes to that. But, Can you explain that? Okay, so the Dunning-Kruger effect. Did, we talked about this, right? Probably, yeah. but re-explain it for me. Okay, so and for anybody that didn't listen to the last episode. All you right. Check out. You have a graph on the x-axis is time, and on the y-axis is confidence in material. And as you start to learn a subject, your confidence is increasing at such a rate that um, you're – you're basically, you, you imagine the trajectory of your learning of that new subject as like fucking skyrocketing into the stars and you're going to be the next prodigy at this thing because you're learning so much so quickly and you've gone from nothing to something that is a thing that you're like, holy fuck, I'm going to be really fucking good at this and my shit all, now is already really good because you actually don't know all the things wrong with it yet. And so mm-hmm. this point at which you're so confident in your like, and you're like six months in that you like tell the world how cool your, your music is. And you're sure that you're going to get a record deal with Columbia and you're going to be well on your way to fame and fortune in no time. And then you finally hit this point at which you realize, Oh fuck. There is so much that I don't know. And then you start to gain a little bit less confidence and a little bit less confidence and a little bit less confidence as you realize all the shit that you don't know, which is way more than you could have ever dreamed of when you started. And you, you basically go up and then you go back down in a big U until like five years later your confidence in the subject material reaches the same point at which you were six months in, except now you actually know all your shit. Most people get down here and quit. Most people get down here and realize, fuck, this is hard. I don't think that I'm ever going to be good enough and it's going to take too long. And that's why all your friends that said that they're super interested in doing this and came over and you taught them Ableton one night and they're like, yeah, you know, I guess I just, I haven't had time to work on it or whatever. It's like the, 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 the point at which you realize, fuck, this is going to be way harder than I thought. Like most people quit. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully that- that's also when they stop uh, tagging 99 people in Facebook posts about their bad song. Ooh. True. You're still tagging 99 people on Facebook about your bad song. You know what, though? (laughs) It is, it is like cute. It's like admirable and cute when I see that, though, because like I miss kind of being in that phase, you know? Like when I see a producer and they're all excited, like, listen to my three demos, and I know they're going to be horrible. Like, no offense to them, obviously, but it's just like, I remember being there, like, that innocence of like starting and thinking everybody wants to hear your song when in reality the cold world 
in the coal world, nobody is excited to see your SoundCloud link. Like to me, like from from an from a from a admiring perspective, it doesn't bother me getting sent SoundCloud links, but it's just like cute to me. Like, oh, you haven't been crushed enough times to know that people hate this shit. Oh, that that is the sad truth. It really is. Yeah. As you look at that person, you're like almost envious of the of the blissful ignorance that they have because it's just so much easier to be in that position than to really know. And the high from sorry not to cut you off. I was gonna say the high from that is the equivalent of like your first time like hitting a bong, like you're high off the fact that you just made the sickest thing. Now is like the equivalent of like scraping resin out of a pipe and you're like I feel something. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. I feel dirty for scraping yeah. resin out of this pipe and smoking it. Uh. Well, like nowadays, I'm sure all of us sit down and write something that we're like, yeah, this is pretty good. That back then, if we heard this pretty good thing that we just made, we'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. I'm Skrillex. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, man. I that we would have gotten from making this thing four or five years ago would have been so good. Did you uh, did you see that copy pasta that was going on like a while back? Maybe like last year or something. And this one dude was like, I've come to realize Skrillex isn't even that special. I started producing six months ago and look at where I am now. There has never been a prodigy like me. Just give me a year's time. I will be the next like whatever. And then people were like replied to that. Like everybody was just copy pasting like his thing, like everywhere on the internet. Um, and it became this thing. And I think it's like that peak of the Dunning-Kruger effect where you're like, that exact Skrillex ain't shit. Exact point. He is literally, is his name Dunning-Kruger? It should. <laughs> it's funny because uh, like, give it a year's time, I'll be better. It's like, yeah, you're going to be right in the fucking trenches of that curve, buddy. You're going to be in the bottom of the trench yet, dude. You're going to be yeah. And it is not going to be funny. I think that post is jumping off the springboard down into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, not descending. Whee! It's jumping. No, he's Let jumping. me dive headfirst. Cannonball to the concrete. <laughs> well, this has been the Human Music Podcast. Enjoy your dive into the depths of despair. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Splat. Splat. <laughs> For those of you who pick yourselves up off of rock bottom and keep learning how to produce music, uh, yeah, there's definitely a future in it for you. We have a mm-hmm. thing for you. It's called the Producer Dojo. And yeah. make that curve, although you're still going to have to have an ego death to get better, that curve, that time period, that big you that took me fucking six years and you guys probably just about the yep. same. I can yep. pretty fucking confident. I can, I can make that like three, like two or three. It's still going to take a long time. You're still going to fucking have to work really hard. But... Oh man, there are so many things I can show you that will make that shorter. Yeah, especially like again going to that study, how um, they didn't even notice the gorilla. So our brain has what's called the reticular activation system. If you guys know about it, but it's basically like 
what helps us like focused in on one thing. And it's also like, say you have a relationship with somebody and shit goes sour, then it's like, it's the thing that makes you think of all the bad things. And when shit's going good, makes you focus in on the good things. And it's this very, very heavily um, biased part of our brain. Yeah, like sometimes well, I was like you're so excited being in this conversation that you forget that in one minute you have another call that you actually have to be on. He's not replying for now, so. <laughs> 20 seconds. Um, but yeah, I was going to say the importance of like having a mentor and just having somebody tell you like, oh, I can tell when you're trying to write, you're focusing like on synth patches. And if you ch- if you tweak their mindset from the beginning and you're like, no, no, no focus on like get these parts down first then expand or like get your super loop down basically right expand create a basic arrangement then focus on like the more macro scale of like evolving this into a song then they're practicing that from the beginning like it took me you know how many times i googled like in the early stages like how to write a insert riff that sounds like this band or how to write like a melody like this. And even though I knew like just write it or like whatever, I still would like just try to find all these posts on like insight and just see what that little detail was that I was missing. And like instantly, as soon as I got in with Dylan, he was pointing out shit. Like I sent him something I thought was like pretty dope. And the stuff he pointed out, I was like, it's like, damn, like I, he was like, add to like a, add an auto pan, like high end, like sprinkler. And I was like, <laughs> shit, like I wasn't even thinking about stereo width at that point, but here I was like thinking I was, you know, the shit. And um, yeah, man, just those tweaks, like having a, a trained ear telling you what, basically a trained ear analyzing itself and telling you like, listen for these things goes so far because you can't you can't listen for shit in the beginning you're not adjusted to like picking out a 10 millisecond compressor attack versus a 30 millisecond compressor attack like you you can't listen on that scale yeah and and i think you bring something else up really good like you got to train your ear to get to those details and it's better to learn how to write a complete simple song that works than it is to learn how to do a bunch of really complex things and then somehow synthesize them into a song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's way easier to know how to make a song and then learn a complex thing to insert into your next song. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work on doing this type of bass in the context of dubstep song that I already know how to build, as opposed to, I got really good at doing this one serum patch. Now, how do I like make a buildup and turn that energy into a drop and then smooth that into a breakdown and rebuild it up into another drop and have somebody actually react the way I want to on a dance floor to all of those changes. Yeah, totally. You have the simplest bass patch and make everybody lose their shit. If you go the painful route too of not learning how to write a song and then make that cool. If you try and like raise all these, like all these mirrors, like smoke and mirrors to like, of, Oh, I'm going to focus on the sound design and I'm going to focus on all these little intricacies that don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And that's somehow going to hold up this foundation of this song 
or I'm somehow going to come back to this later and write my main parts to it. Like there's just no way. Yeah. Yeah. It's way, it's way easier to have a good idea and then like learn how to put just like the pieces around it and have it man, stick, stick simple. That's something I've actually been having to go back to this year is really just remind myself like the, the, the value of a song is not in its production. It having high production value is a barrier to entry. Like it mm-hmm. needs to have high production value in order. To be, that just means it was pulled off well. But nobody sits there, but other producer nerds like us sits there and listens to all of the details of the song. People listen to the song and it's either a narrative, a story that brings them on an emotional and physical journey where they feel things and they move away or it didn't work. And that's like, if, if you've got that overarching piece, you, you know, even if your rainbow only has one color, but it arcs all the way and it touches the, the ground on the other side, it worked. <laughs> but if it's got a bunch of holes in it, it's like, well, but look at all the colors right here at the beginning and the end. Like, yeah, but like the whole part that was in the sky that wasn't behind the hills, you know, nobody could even check that out. Yeah, <laughs> take totally. anybody anywhere. There's no pot of gold for me to get to. Totally. Human Music Podcast. I like it.